On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. Again, another episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. This is episode 828. My name is Matt Robinson with you in our studio, as you all know it, in beautiful Bytown, Canada. And uh, I thought we would do something, you know, just a little bit uh, off the cuff, rare Saturday pod, but uh, there is a reason for it. Today, May 15th, uh, TCA turns six years old. Good for us. Happy anniversary, happy birthday to ourselves, all that kind of, that kind of thing. So I just kind of thought, why not kick something else out? What else do I got to do, right? We're all still stuck at home, enjoying wave three, hoping to avoid a wave four, but uh, we're not going to get into too much of that today. But since we're just sitting here anyway, just killing time, waiting for the gates to be raised and the cage to be opened, uh, why not throw down a podcast to, uh, to mark the sixth anniversary of the show. Uh, last year we were also mid pandemic and had you asked me on May 15th of 2020, whether I thought this would still be rolling on right now, a year later, I'd have probably said, I have no idea. (laughs) Um, it was very new, uh, but, uh, I probably would have said, I hope not, but here we are. And uh, last year was the fifth anniversary of the show, and uh, Rob and I, at this point, were still kind of, we had a mostly under control, I think, if I remember correctly, but ironing out the, uh, how we were doing these remotely, um, him from the, uh, the satellite studio out in Canada and, and me sitting here. But I think what we did that day, if I'm not mistaken, was, uh, we ran the interview with James Duthie, who, um was the first time he'd ever been on the podcast and uh, it was kind of a cool way to mark five years was to have one of Canada's biggest sportscasters come on the podcast for the first time. He has since returned. Uh, he was on back in the fall when, uh, he was releasing his new book beauties. Um, I've read that it's pretty good. If you're into, uh, such things, pretty, it's, it's all kind of stories you wouldn't believe from around the NHL, right? Crazy stories, funny stories, you know, just weird things you don't hear about too often. So if you want to check that out, it's called Beauties uh, by our friend James Duthie, and uh, I'm sure he'll be back on the show here at some point. Um, So that's what we did last year, but in years previous to that, we always tried to do something, whether it was uh, Rob and I certainly would be in studio 
And uh, we had called up some friends of the show or uh, had guests in studio. We always tried to do something to market, but, uh, you know, it's gotten pretty difficult. So this time, I think we're going to navel gaze a little bit. A little bit of self-indulgence. Just talk about the show itself. And over the years, we have picked up, you know, a couple thousand (laughs) new listeners who, thank God, weren't here for episode one on this day um, six years ago. And I just sort of thought, maybe tell the story of how it got up and going, why it got up and going. Like I said, just uh, indulge in a little nostalgia and, and looking back at ourselves um, just a little bit and, and kind of why the show came to be and sort of how it's grown. So uh, if you're up for that sort of thing, if you're into that sort of thing, I hope you'll stick around. You're stuck at home too. What else you got to do? Um, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. If you want to follow along with us on social media and uh, wherever you're listening right now, if you are a first timer here, uh, this is going to be a good one to get you caught up on what this is, what it's all about, I guess. Um, a little odd that you've chosen this one for the first one, but, uh, welcome. If this is in fact your first, uh, episode of TCA, one thing we always do here, and this will be no different. We like to kick things off with a pint as we work our way through it. And today is no different. I'll be enjoying something here while I talk to you people. And maybe that's the real reason to be doing this show is as long as you're here, as long as I'm talking to you, I'm not drinking alone, right? I can kind of escape that ugly thing. Uh, This one, it's one I've had a time or two. Uh, For a while, I thought it was something I hadn't had before, if I'm being honest with you. This is from the Broadhead Brewing Company. uh, And this is their Oatmeal Stout. Now, before I try this, they used to be uh, just a few blocks from where the studio is here, um, here in Nepean, Ontario, the west side of Ottawa, kind of the southwest part of town. And so I was in there fairly regularly and um, they had a stout. Everybody, you guys all know I'm kind of a stout guy, uh, both in stature and in beer taste. Um, and it was called Dark Horse and it was all right. Um, didn't mind it, but I really liked their amber. And most often that's what I was going in to get. And I'd try whatever new they had going on as well, but it was the Amber that kept bringing me back. And in fact, I had picked up a keg of that a couple of times to keep in the uh, studio keg fridge. I really enjoyed their Amber. And then I saw this oatmeal stout from Broadhead. Um, after they moved, uh, they're now basically the complete opposite end of the city out in Orleans. And, uh, so I'm not there anywhere near as often, but their stuff's In the LCBO now, they're starting to branch out pretty nicely, starting to grow, so good for those guys. But I saw this oatmeal stout, and I really like oatmeal stouts, and it's from Broadhead. I'm like, can't wait to try that. Got it home, had a couple sips, and this tastes pretty familiar. And uh, whatever, I finished it, still enjoyed it, and I'm talking to a buddy of mine a couple weeks later, and he goes, oh, no, they just renamed all their stuff. That's still, it's just the Dark Horse with a new name. So uh, still pretty good, though. So I've got one of those getting ready to go with us today along this little journey. And, uh, so there's a couple of things that happened kind of just before TCA got up and running. And I guess even before that, I'll just say, and, mm, Hey, whoa, broadhead, she's overflowing a little bit. Sorry about that. Um, before we even get into that, I was always kind of a radio nerd and I, I don't want to tell you, like, it's not going to be like one of those autobiographies where the first 12 chapters are about your childhood or whatever. But I think where this all started for me, when I'm like, when I was a kid and, and especially kind of 10, 11, 12 years old, and certainly after that, um, 
it all stemmed from riding around in the truck with my old man. And he and his brothers, as well as their dad, my grandfather, ran a construction company down out of Oshawa and later out of Bowmanville um, and worked all around Durham region. And, and so I grew up there just outside the, uh, the GTA. And often when he would pick me up from something or, you know, he just had to go check on something, I'd go with him or whatever. He spent a ton of time in the truck going from jobs up, job site to job site, see how things were going, checking on the equipment, checking on the guys, whatever else was going on. Right. So he always had the radio on, but it was almost always talk radio and being down near Toronto, it was most often one of two stations. It was either talk 640. It was called at the time. It's undergone a couple changes since then. It might just be 640 Toronto now or AM 640. It doesn't matter, but it was talk 640 at the time. And I don't know, it was fairly conservative, but it was all just calling in to talk about the issues of the day. And if it wasn't that, it was 680 News, which is still a still a thing down there. There was no talk segments at all in there. It was just news all day long, 24-7. Uh, traffic and weather, together on the ones, every 10 minutes. And I can remember at the time it making me crazy. Like, you're doing this every 10 minutes. I get it. There's an accident at Young and Shepherd, and it's going to rain tonight. That hasn't changed in the last 10 minutes. Like, uh, anyway. And they used to have this slogan that was like, check back three, four, five times a day to stay up to date. And I used to, I can remember thinking like, my dad never changes the channel. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to check back that often. It's just going to be on. As I started to get a little older, he, I think mainly just had it on as like background noise. He didn't really care. Like I said, he was never a big music guy, at least in his adulthood. I know he was, when he was a little younger. I think it was just on and as like white noise. And so as I started to get a little older and got more into sports, I found the fan 590. And he usually didn't care if I would flip it over to that in place of one of his two stations. And so I started listening to a pile of sports talk radio. And by the time I'm 12, when most kids are like developing their musical tastes and stuff, that's what I'm listening to at home in my room. Um, during my summer job, I've got either headphones on or a little boom box that you're carrying around behind you. And it was always the fan 590. And just quickly for those of you who maybe are in the GTA or of a similar vintage to me, I can remember the lineup at the time that I was getting into it. In the morning show, it was Derringer and Marsden. That's John Derringer, who's a legend in, in Toronto radio. He's still to this day, I think, on Q107, uh, but he's been on a few different stations. Uh, in the mornings, the Monsters of the Midday, I think is what they called the show, but it was Mike Hogan, who a lot of you will know um, does a pile of work around the CFL, especially the Argos, calls games for them. Kind of a CFL legend. And uh, Don Landry. They went 9 to noon, and then from noon to 1, I don't know if it was just for a lunch break or whatever, they picked up this American show, whether it was ESPN Radio or whatever it was, The Fabulous Sports Babe. And I usually didn't listen because it was always a lot of like college football and shit like that that I just couldn't possibly care less about. I still don't and certainly didn't at... Uh, at 12 or 13 years old. From 1 to 4 was Gord Stelic. Um, occasionally co-host. Most days she'd pop in for a bit. Barb DiGiulio was on that show. Um, just until, like, just recently, this last big round of uh, budget cuts that, um, you know, that hurt a lot of people in the radio industry across Canada. I think she was still hosting on CFRB 1010 in Toronto, maybe. But, uh uh, Gord Stelic and uh, he had the big show it was called and then four to seven was Bob McCown 
And I listened to Bob every day without fail from the time I was 12 or 13 years old until the time, um, he was canceled just like, what was it? Like two years ago. Um, and you know, he was kind of curmudgeonly. He had that, uh, that gimmick that's kind of was his deal that he didn't care and he'd yell at the, the, the callers and whatever else. And I really enjoyed it. And he kind of mellowed as, as it went along. But at the time I really dug that. And so I always listened to, uh, to that. And then if I was up late enough in the, in the evenings, like, you know, the seven o'clock or whatever, they'd have a Leaf game, a Jays game, a Raptors game, whatever was going on. But at night they would have uh, Storm and Norman Rumack or uh, Spider Jones. Um, Spider loved to talk his boxing, all these sorts of things, but it, you know, probably spent more time there than we need to, but I thought just for reference sake, if those of you who are uh, like me, kind of sports talk radio nerds, that was the lineup down at uh, the fan 590 when I was getting into it. And so for a long time, that was what I listened to as, as I got a little bit older and into my teens, I did obviously get into the music scene and stuff like that, but I would always still default to sports talk radio, um, whenever I had time. So there was always that kind of pull for me. Like that was something I wanted to do. And for whatever reason, coming out of high school, I tried something else in college. It didn't go anywhere. You work for a little while. And then I ended up going to school for radio. And it's at a time that the radio industry is shrinking in a big way. And, um, you know, we don't have to get into it much here, but not long after I graduate, I end up, you know, sick with the, the kidney thing. And so then you're on dialysis. However many times a week, it's impossible to find, you know, I think, I think most companies would have supported you had you already worked for them. Um, had you needed to go and do dialysis, but it's hard, you know, you're not going to get hired that way. Um, they're not taking on somebody new like that. So coming off of that, you kind of eventually get the transplant, you're getting healthy and you're doing some volunteer stuff at a couple radio stations to try and get noticed, try and get your foot in the door. And you kind of get frustrated with how that's going from time to time. And after a little while, it was a buddy of mine, Jeff, who we've referenced on this show a bunch of times and he's uh, Rob's brother. He's been on the show a time or two. And, you know, he, he pulled me aside and he's talking to me and he's running a couple of internet companies at the time and he's got his fingers in a bunch of things. He says, if this is something you're serious about and you need to get your reps and you need to get your chops, you should start a podcast. And he, I didn't know at the time, I knew what podcasts were. I listened to a couple of them, but I didn't know what was involved with hosting. And then there are, there's costs involved with everything. And he said, with our companies, you know, we can give you server space. We can, you know, help you with the infrastructure, the back end, and get you up and running. I just want to see you try this and, and do this and, you know, stay on it. And at the time, I was really frustrated with how things were going. And I needed that kick in the ass. And I, I to this day, I appreciate it. I've, I've told him that a few times. And up until like a year ago, we still lived on his servers. So <laughs> before he finally kicked us off, um, or it was time to, it was time to go. He, I wouldn't say he kicked us off, but every now and then he'd remind you, hey, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of squatting here. So anyway, um, but what he said to me was, here's a course. He helped me get set up. There was a course to take. So you're not just some asshole, like so many of them that just start recording shit into the microphone on your iPhone and, you know, just yammering on. He helped me, you know, get registered in a course or two, get up to speed with how all this stuff worked and, you know, all of it on the back end of, of his own company. So, but he did say to me, once you're done the course, try this for a little while and don't tell anyone you're doing it. And that part caught me off guard a little bit, but he said, 
and it, it makes sense. It, it, and it did after he explained it to me, but it does now even more in hindsight, um, with how many people start a lot of things. If you know, uh, you see all the time, especially around like new year's, how, how many of your friends over the years have started posting about going to the gym as their new year's resolution. And like three weeks in, you stop seeing those posts and you know, they've stopped and, and whatever, right? Sometimes we just don't stick to things. And he said, do this quietly first, because you're going to be bad at it. And he was right about that. Um, and people are going to question you. People are going to rattle you, not even necessarily intentionally, but people are going to question what you're doing and whether it's worth it. And, and you don't really want them to hear these first few anyway. So just get up and going and see what happens. So I remember this would be the 2014-15 Toronto Maple Leafs season. This is sometime in the fall of 2014 because uh, TCA, as you know it now, launched on May 15th, 2015. And so, yeah, it's, it's the fall of 2014 when he says this to me. We get it all set up and I've finished the course. And the easiest thing to do, I remember, was um, I was just going to do a post-game show for most Leaf games. And that would help me keep a schedule, right? Whenever they played, I'd know I was going to do an episode. I was just going to talk about what happened, what I thought about it. Um, you know, other news around the team that may have arisen over the last few days since the last one. Uh, the thing was called uh, the Leafs Brief. And I didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't even post the first several episodes. I just recorded them, right? So you would get used to talking on your own and, and filling time and, and not having a co-host to defer to and all these things, right? So it was just a question of getting into a routine, getting a schedule, getting started, um, and trying to get used to the whole idea of, of being recorded. And I'd been to broadcast school, like none of it was too strange, but for the most part, it wasn't talk radio. It was teeing up songs and what's happening around your community and, you know, different promotions and shit like that, that was being run. And so this was a whole different animal. And so did probably five or 10 episodes of the Leafs brief and then started to to post them after that, still not to Facebook, still not to Twitter, still not to a place where any of my friends would, um, would find them. It was just kind of to cross that line, like the world might hear it. Now you, you, I'm sure understand that if you don't share it to Facebook and to Twitter, it has a very, very small audience. And the first couple, I think when I released them, I don't think anybody listened to them. I, th I think the downloads were zero because where are those listeners going to come from if they don't know who you are or what this thing is, right? And for some reason, I think by the end of the year, I did have like 12 or 15 regular listeners to the Leaf Brief. No idea how they found it. Probably just searching iTunes or Spotify or whatever it would have been uh, for Toronto Maple Leafs and scrolling down far enough and, and they would have found it. But I stuck with it all season and I did. I enjoyed it. Um... And it didn't seem like work. It was something I enjoyed kind of taking notes on um, the games or things I wanted to speak about during the show. And I stuck with it for the season and kind of went, yeah, this is, I want to do this. Um, and, you know, I don't think I ever posted the Leafs brief because they were still terrible, um, honestly, even through the season. They're getting better, but they were awful. Uh, I still have most of them saved on a hard drive around here somewhere for some reason. I really should burn that and, and make sure <laughs> nobody, 
nobody ever finds it. I pulled them all down from uh, iTunes when I started TCA. Um, so I think they only exist on that hard drive now. But uh, anyway, I get to February or March, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to go ahead and do this. And I start talking to Rob. And Rob is, you know, a guy I had known for a very long time. Um, as you all know now, very big personality and, and strong takes. But he had also gone to school for, for radio, um, you know, before he ended up following the career path that he did. And most of the time when Rob and I would get together and have a couple beers, we'd end up talking sports anyway. And so it seemed like kind of a natural, I don't know, first place to start or to ask to go, I'm thinking of doing this. Do you have any interest? And if I'm being honest with you, like, I think at first he was kind of like, yeah, all right, like, let's see how it goes. I don't think he was like stoked about it, but he certainly didn't hate the idea. And so then you start working through everything. I, I, like I said, I'd taken this course and I, I didn't want it to be like this kind of fumbled launch that, that was like, I wanted to take this seriously. And so I got everything set up. Um, we had a website, we had server space with Jeff. I'd hired somebody to design our logo which to this day, I still get comments on people love that logo. Um, and like we had everything set and by, by the middle of April, there was a Twitter account. There was a Facebook page that was just like coming soon. And the reason I chose May 15th, 2015, honestly, I knew it would be coming sometime that spring and I wanted a hook, right? I wanted a way, like something to help me tease it or whatever. And for whatever reason, I just liked the look of, 51515, right? The date of, of May 15th, 2015. I thought it was kind of memorable. You know, I could kind of hashtag it and I just sort of thought it looked sharp, this 51515. So, um, that's what I used and I, I, you know, you put it in different posts and push it around encouraging people as it was a coming to, you know, check out what this is going to be. What is this going to look like when it launches on May 15th? So when it launches, it looks a little different than it does now. Tall can audio, in my mind, the initial vision or uh, plan for it, the concept for it was tall can audio was the name of the channel and of the website. And it had multiple shows on it and it actually stayed that way. I mean, most of you or a lot of you have been around long enough for this. It stayed that way till last spring until it all got pushed under one banner. But Tall Can Audio was the name of the feed, the channel, the website, and it had multiple shows under it. And the one was Audio Whiplash. And that was sort of kicking around news of the day, um, you know, stupid shit that was catching our attention or making us laugh. You could just kind of talk about whatever over a pint like you would with your buddies at the, at the pub. And Tall Can Sports was the same idea, but obviously just, you know, as it pertained to sports. But I didn't want to be just locked into sports, right? I didn't want it to be just that. That's why the second show was, was important to me. I wanted to have the freedom to talk about other things as well. And part of it was this sort of, you could probably call it arrogance of the way I didn't like most talk shows or most news broadcasts were covering things. It all came off very cowardly and part of that was obviously they have different standards they need to adhere to, um, on broadcast television or, or radio, right? There's certain things you can't say and you got to be careful of offending people. But also part of it was just this whole, I'm not going to rock the boat thing. 
either this is too controversial to talk about, so we just won't talk about it, or if it's something so big that we have to talk about it, we're still going to dance around it, right? We're still not really going to attack it. We're just going to be able to say we mentioned it. And I really didn't like it. I thought it was kind of pompous and I thought somebody could do better. And that's where the arrogance got in, bought into it maybe, or comes into it a little bit that maybe I thought I could do better, that we could do better, or at least come at it from a different angle and try and be more entertaining about it. Um, or at least less cowardly about it. And just, if this is what the story is, then this is what we'll do. And so I can remember the first audio whiplash. It's, uh, it's Rob and I, and I've mentioned this before on the show. I'd known Rob forever at this point, and we'd hung out a pile, like all the time, drank beers, traveled all over the country. You would swear listening to that first show, we had never met each other. It was stiff as hell. You were doing an imitation of someone else's talk radio show that you'd heard before, but it was short. It was just introducing the concept, introducing the podcast, introducing Talkin Audio and what was going to happen there, introducing ourselves to hopefully um, an audience that would check out that first one and maybe stick around with us. If anyone did hear that first one, they probably didn't stick around, but that was the idea. And so when I talk about things that people were dancing around and not talking about, on episode two... There was two topics we attacked. Of uh, This is episode two of Audio Whiplash. One was the fucker right in the pussy thing that was in full swing at that point, right? Guys diving onto a camera, yelling that at female reporters um, on the street. And a guy had, uh, a guy who I believe worked for Hydro One. He was somewhere downtown Toronto, did this, got recognized and got fired. And the conversation that we wanted to have wasn't, whether or not it was cool of him to run in and do that to this reporter, because it obviously wasn't. Everybody understands that. The conversation we wanted to have was, is it okay that he's fired for that? What he does on his own time, was it okay that Hydro One fired him? And this was all very fresh in the moment. If I'm not mistaken... I think a month or two later when things calmed down, he got hired back. I'm, I'm not positive on that. But at the time, that was the conversation. And we didn't necessarily suggest he should or shouldn't be fired, but that was the conversation we wanted to have because no one else was having it. You were too afraid on the radio or on TV of the backlash in either direction to take a stand and to talk about, you know, what the takeaways should be, what the responsibility level is. That company was obviously embarrassed by what he did and felt they were right to fire him. Okay. Does everybody feel the same? Do you want to be held responsible at work with what you do on your own private time? If it's something that ignorant and you get caught on television doing it and the whole world sees it, you're going to have a hard time keeping your job. But that was an early subject that we wanted to tackle. Let's have a conversation that's going to be polarizing, right? And we didn't demand anybody agree or disagree. I don't even remember if we took a hard side on, on either side of it. It was just, let's talk it through. The other one was, and it might've been on the same episode or it might've been on episode three, Louis CK, before he was punted out of uh, existence by some of the creepy shit he ended up doing, he was hosting Saturday Night Live. And if you remember his monologue was talking about how great 
molesting children must be. And, you know, to a child molester, not to the average Joe. But his point was, and it's a joke, he's a comedian, right? But the point was that he was driving at, you're willing to throw away your life, your family will disown you, you'll probably go to prison, no one will ever speak to you again, you will be generally regarded as the lowest piece of scum on the planet if you do this, and yet some people still do it. So if you're into that sort of thing, it must be awesome. That was the joke he was trying to tell, and you don't have to find it funny and whatever. But again, people wanted him drummed off television. He wasn't in this, you know, it's hard to come back now and defend Louis CK based on the things that would turn out to be true about him later. But his point wasn't that you should do this or that he supports child molesters. He's taking a crazy left turn on a topic that's been covered before. And he even says at the end of his monologue, okay, we got through it. We're still here, right? At the time, there was backlash on that, and we wanted to talk about that, right? We wanted to be able to break it down. And these were things that weren't being covered on the radio because it's very hard on the radio to cover those things. And so those were early episodes of Audio Whiplash, right? Was trying to have uh, these conversations um, that no one else was having and be able to talk more freely with less of a you know, censorship with whatever and people will like it or they won't, but at least the cards will be on the table and we won't be dancing around it. We won't be spelling out F H whatever letters, right. To try and dance around the thing. If we're going to talk about this, let's talk about it. And so that's where that started. And then there was tall can sports. And I mean, it was a little more traditional or normal. Maybe neither of those words apply. But we would just kind of pick stuff that, that we thought was interesting over the course of the week and talk about it. But you had a little bit more freedom to do what you want. You're having a couple of pops. You're, you're doing your thing. And, you know, you can lash out and, and say some crazy stuff if you need to. And just stuff that maybe gave it a little more freedom than what traditional sports talk radio does. And, uh, but that was always, like, sort of the goal. Like, that was something I badly wanted included as well as someone who grew up you know, wanting to do the fan 590 thing, listening to Bob McCowan every day and saying, that's something I'd really like to do. And, you know, really admiring the way that he always did it. So, um, yeah, that was an important way to go, right? An important, um, you know, and it, it's interesting. We got a boost when we started the whole thing, um, with, uh, with a guy who many of you will already know, especially if you've been listening for a while, a guy named Nate Sager. And Nate and I became friends through a mutual friend. And then I moved into an apartment building. You know, we had met once or twice before through this other guy, but Nate ended up living like right across the hall, uh, in this apartment that I moved into. And he wrote for Yahoo, had a big following covering junior hockey. Uh, and he also did some other freelance work in some other places, but, um, he did a really nice job covering junior hockey, um, for Yahoo. And so we start this thing in May and there's a lot going on. The Memorial Cup is about to kick off. The draft is about to happen. And so Nate is willing to come on twice in that first kind of month and a half. And it really kickstarted us for two, two reasons. It gave us instant legitimacy that Nate came on and, and was willing to spend so much time with us. And he shared everything we did, especially when he was on. And so his audience 
started to find their way to us. So Nate was a huge help in that regard and um, was someone that we continued to have on for quite a while until he moved down to uh, first Toronto and, and now to Hamilton, um, covering sports less and less, although he does have a sub stack now that uh, we'll share the link to uh, here in the show notes for this. But Nate was instrumental in getting us up and going, like I said, both in terms of credibility but also in terms of sharing some of his audience with us. And, and because of that, we developed an audience probably quicker than we otherwise would have with, you know, people who read him on a regular basis, started listening to us and then sharing it with their friends and on their social media feeds. So Nate Sager as the first guest on Tall Can Sports was huge. And I believe, uh, I'm, I'm positive, the first guest on Audio Whiplash we ever did was our friend Amy Burke, who... Um, came on in July of that first year. Amy was a multiple time, still is funny enough and about to be again, um, a multiple time Paralympian and Amy has a wonderful personality. She'll say anything. She, she knows her stuff. She like, you can talk to her about whatever, but she phrases it in such a way that like it, it makes you smile all the time. And, um, I thought she'd be fun to have on to tell her story and, and what was about to happen. We were headed towards uh, the Pan Am Games in Toronto, if you recall, Toronto 2015, and Amy was scheduled to compete there. And so, um, you know, we had her on to tell her story, her journey, these sorts of things, and, and what it was like getting ready for Toronto 2015. And she became a regular as well, just like Nate. But that's sort of how we got started with the, you know, for the most part, the picture or the idea was always to be Rob and I, um, you know, as the anchor hosts as we moved forward, you know, twice a week, uh, maybe a little bit more than that, depending on the schedule, but it was just he and I, and then occasionally you'd bring in a guest or two. And like I said, it was Nate for the, uh, for the Memorial cup and the NHL draft. Cause he knew all these guys that were about to be drafted out of, uh, out of junior, which he covered and then Amy Burke in preparation for uh, Toronto 2015. So, you know, those were our first two guests to, to get up and running and get off and going. It, it was, it was great. And I should tell you, you know, most of you now um, have seen on our Instagram, at Can Audio, or our other social media feeds, this studio that we've built over time. And it's, it's honestly, it's, it's pretty cool. I don't, I don't like to boast, but I love our studio here. The setup is incredible that we have right now. But when we started, and I'll see if I still have the pictures. It was just Rob and I when we did that first show with one microphone in the middle of my dining room table back at this old apartment I had. And it sounded awful. Not only were Rob and I not good, like I said, it sounded like we'd never met each other. It, it sounded like you were talking in a tin can. Um, it was just this USB microphone in the middle of the table. Uh, it, it, it wasn't good. Um, as episodes went on, I started grabbing couch cushions, um, off of the couch and like piling them up on each end of the dining room table. And then Rob and I on each, like on opposite sides of the table would sit there with the microphone, you know, this one USB microphone between us. And then this pile of couch cushions on either side of us. Uh, after that, my dad, um, TCA R and D as we call him, um, he built this thing, um, that helped the reverb quite a bit, but it almost looked like a fort. Right. And so it kind of had, it came, it was the, the width of the dining room table 
and it had like walls and a roof. Like the roof was high enough that you didn't have to bend down to be under it or anything. But it sat on the table in between us, the microphone in on the table underneath it. And then as we spoke, the reverb wouldn't go bouncing around the room. It would bounce off the soft walls of this thing that he had built for us. And that was the studio setup for the first, well, so May 2015 to May 2016 anyway. Um, moved into the condo and started adding pieces then as we went and, and turned one of the bedrooms uh, in the condo into a studio and, and just kept slowly adding to it and adding to it until we got to what we had now. But it was bare bones on the on the beginning or uh, at the beginning. And um, it's painful now, again, not just the, the content, but the sound quality when you go back and listen. Um, it's rough and I, I don't like it and that's why I'm such a nitpicker for, for sound quality now. Um, but it was sort of like what Jeff had said at the very beginning of all this, don't invest, don't make it public until you know, you're going to do this until you know, you're enjoying it and you know, you're going to stick with it. So we used this hundred dollar USB microphone for, for a year or so. And I knew that I was going to continue to do this. And so it made sense to start investing a little bit more at that point. And so I'm certainly not looking down on anyone else who currently runs a, a, a simpler setup than what we do now. Um, and if you're thinking of starting a podcast of your own while you're stuck at home here in lockdown, there is absolutely no shame in starting cheap. It is absolutely what you should do until you know you're going to stick with it, right? It's not something to be embarrassed about. It's, it's, it's the way to go. You know, don't blow your brains out buying all kinds of cool gear and then find out six weeks later, yeah, I just don't love this. I'm not going to do it. And now you're stuck with all this stuff, right? So I would recommend that be the way you get started if that's been on your mind. But if you do realize you're going to stick with it, upgrade a little bit, right? Because they can be painful to listen to, um, you know, as you start to grow. And I eventually started to learn to edit and, and these sorts of things and, and make them sound better. But the studio and the equipment did make a difference as we, uh, we move forward. And that's sort of how it went for a while, right? It, as we started to build an audience, part of the fun was we didn't spend a lot of time on guests until later on um, when the Grey Cup was in Ottawa, um, you know, a year or two, well, two or three years into the pod. That was when we started to worry about guests. But before that, like that was when we started to worry about name guests, I guess, if you wanted to call it that. Before that, I, I mentioned Amy, but I also need to mention Maddie Lang here. You know, I had these, these people in my life who I knew knew their stuff or I knew had great personalities or, or people that were interesting. And we had this audience and I wanted to kind of share with it. And some people came on just once or twice and it didn't work or they weren't that into it or the audience didn't really respond. Um, and, and, you know, they kind of fell away and we had others that became regulars. Like I said, like Maddie, like Amy and like Nate at the beginning. Um, and, and they still come on from time to time now. And, and it was cool to be able to share those awesome personalities with this audience that we had and, and start to kind of build this, this TCA team or, or family instead of it just being Rob and I all the time. Um, and the audience did seem to respond to that. I, I, you know, we get people asking when Maddie's coming back on. I get emails to the website all the time asking what Amy's competition schedule is like because she hasn't been on in a bit or, you know, just wanting me to pass on 
a little note to her saying good luck and thanks for representing Canada or, or whatever it might be, right? People gravitate to these personalities and they become sort of part of the, the TCA fabric, if you will. And I guess maybe that is the next thing to mention. It would have been Grey Cup week, the next kind of expansion. Um, Grey Cup 105 was here in Ottawa. And so all of a sudden, Canada's sports media turns their attention to Ottawa. And so we kind of thought it would be a cool thing to do. You know, we got tickets for, uh, for Rob and for Maddie and myself. And we spent Grey Cup week having guests on the show for the first time or in studio. Um, the first, you know, sports media type guest that we had on was AJ Jackie Beck, the play-by-play voice of the Ottawa Red Blacks and the Ottawa 67s. And he came on by phone. Uh, we also had Andy Nita, who ran the Nita Beer Company, still does. Uh, he's on every December now to talk about the uh, the craft beer advent calendar that he puts together. And uh, so that's always fun. Uh, he came in studio, drank a bunch of beer with us, including some of the stuff he was bringing for us to use to give to guests for the rest of the week. And uh, we had to replenish the next day. Uh, Scott MacArthur, uh, Scotty Mack, now of the Fan 590 Morning Show down in Toronto, um, he was the first guy to come in studio, spent a bunch of time with us, drank some beers, just shot the shit, talked Blue Jays, talked hockey. Um, and that was a blast. And then, you know, Rob and Maddie and I, you know, we, we spent some time that weekend at the different Grey Cup parties, hit up Ryderville, hit up Spirit of Edmonton, um, you know, hit up a bunch of them. And, and it was a great time. Went to the game on Sunday and we were able to do a, you know, a post-game show and these sorts of things. So it was really like that took us up another notch, being able to do that that week. Um, I, I, you know, we posted, we, we did a show every day that week and I was up late every night that week editing and making sure they were all out for the next morning, which was exhausting, but it took us to another level again, right? First having those guests, but then also being like a show that was happening Every day that week, it, it seemed to catch on as the week went on and we got more and more listeners. So that was well worth doing. And after that, we just kind of had guests periodically, you know, Steve Lloyd was in, Ian Mendez was in, um, you know, mostly local to, to Ottawa here, but it was sort of hit and miss. You'd, you'd do it a little bit, but for the most part, we went back to kind of our normal setup and then the, the, the pandemic set in. And it sort of changed everything, right? There was less to talk about, especially when this first started. If you guys remember last spring, there was nothing happening, right? Baseball was shut down. Hockey was shut down. Basketball was shut down. And the NFL was in their off season. There was nothing to talk about. So that led to two things. And, and one of them I'd already sort of had on my mind. I didn't want to keep doing two separate shows. I didn't want to keep doing a whiplash and a sports and I'll tell you, it was sort of like, it was too hard to find enough whiplash stuff every week. And that sounds crazy. Like one is sports, one is everything else. And you can't find it. But it was almost too big. Like you didn't know where to look each week to find whiplash topics. So some weeks you just didn't do it. And then a couple of weeks would go by and people would be asking, why wasn't there a whiplash or when are you going to do that again? And so you kind of feel desperate and so you start digging around for silly stories and it started to feel like a morning zoo thing. And I just didn't enjoy it anymore. It was just like, here's a silly thing that happened and we'll make fun of it for a few minutes and then we'll carry on. And sometimes it was some good stuff on the music front and like, I still enjoyed them a little bit, 
But there were times where I just like finished them and went, these, this isn't what I want to be doing. I don't want to be forced to do something just for the sake of doing it if I don't think it's quality. And the second part of it was now there was suddenly less sports to talk about, right? With the, the shutdown. So it made more sense to me to roll them back into one. And instead of Tolkien Audio being a channel with both Audio Whiplash and with Tolkien Sports, you roll them roll them together as the Tolkien Audio Show or the Tolkien Audio Podcast. And whatever's on your mind that day, you just get to. If it's all sports, fine. If it's all non-sports, fine. If it's a bit of both, that's fine. And, and I find we've sort of settled into a thing where more often than not, it's kind of two-thirds sports. But if there's music stuff on your mind or other stuff going on in the world, we have time to get to that still. And I just find it, there's less pressure, right? You're less segregated. You're less desperate to find one more thing to kind of fill out whatever show is feeling weak uh, that week. <laughs> it's feeling light that week. And you just talk about whatever you want, right? There's less pressure that way. And I feel like it's more natural, which was always the point. Like we said at the beginning, right? These were supposed to be like you were sitting around with your buddy at the pub, and they just didn't feel like that anymore on the whiplash side. It felt like you were desperate to find a topic, like a morning zoo thing to poke fun at. And it was very unnatural and, and it started to be unrewarding for me. So I wanted to roll them in together and, and put them under one banner. And so that's what we did. And the second thing that happened around that time was we started relying way more on guests. And again, part of that was just that there wasn't enough happening. Part of it was that Rob and I couldn't get in studio together and you know, it was just out of necessity. You needed to start reaching out and having more people on. You could do those easily, you know, via remote over FaceTime or, or Zoom or whatever was going on. So we had James Myrtle, had uh, Jeff Viette, had James Duthie, Ray Ferraro, Chris Cuthbert, um, Bob McKenzie. Like they just started to, to really come together quite nicely. And we started to add these guests. And like I said, most of them were were terrific and some bigger names. And once we started getting some of them, you get the confidence to just keep asking, right? And before you know, you, it's Elliot Friedman and Tim McAuliffe and, you know, some of the people that we've started to, you know, add to the lineup here, it's been, it's been pretty awesome. And some of them have been people I'd wanted to talk to my whole life that you probably never would have unless you had the show, you know, like in that regard, it turned out really well. But at the same time, you know, if I'm being honest, it's never really the show that I had set out to do, right? Or that I wanted to do. I didn't want to sit here every week and interview somebody different. Um, I haven't minded it. It's been a different experience and, and it's got nothing to do with the guests. Most of them have been great, but this has been necessity. And you do lose the, the vibe when the people aren't here in studio, right? When you're not having that kind of around the pub table conversation where people are interrupting each other and you're just kind of shooting the shit and having a good laugh when you're doing it over the internet and you don't really know somebody very well, it's far more, I don't want to say respectful because you're obviously going to be respectful to a guest, but you cut them off less and they're going to cut you off less. And it's just less natural, right? You set them up, you ask them a question, they're off and running with their answer. And it's just different, right? Than, than what we set out to do. So I'll be happy once obviously the pandemic ends, like most of you, I think will be happy when the pandemic ends. But I would like, if I'm going to keep doing guests, you know, they'll be in the studio, right? And um, we can kind of get back to that. 
and kind of the more traditional shows that we've always done where I just think the vibe is better and it's different when they're in person, right? And it's, I just think it's a better show that way. And, and so that's sort of what we're riding out now. We've still got some great guests lined up for you. Um, and I am looking forward to speaking to them, but I'm also very much looking forward to getting back to a place where these aren't done over the internet. They're, they're done in person with the vibe that that creates with the give and take that that allows and just kind of getting back to the, the show that I always wanted to do. That's a little less formal interview and a little more, you know, shooting the shit. Right. And I think that's where most of our audience came from. It was fresh. It was different. It, it didn't have that kind of same stodgy feel that some other shows have. And I'm very excited to kind of be able to open that back up again. And the one thing I will say that, uh, that doing all the guests allowed us to stumble across was Michaela Schreider, who uh, most of you know as Shrides or around here Screeds. And, you know, she was somebody that uh, was suggested to me before, and I, I, I did already follow on Twitter, and I'd heard her on the radio on TSN 1200 plenty of times, and, you know, her show got cut back during the pandemic like a lot of them did. And uh, we had her on as a guest and then had her on as a guest once or twice more where it was less about her and more just shooting the shit on, on the standard topics like you normally would. And, you know, as, as we crept into the fall, the vibe was good. The audience was responding well. Um, people enjoyed having her not just on, but kind of take over the, the hosting duties, which I tried not to take too personally. Um, it was nice. It was a change of pace. It was a different perspective brought to the show. And so... You know, to be able to add her out of that to someone who's going to host a show here on Tall Can Audio every week was awesome, right? And and so, you know, I, that's probably the biggest plus that has come from doing all those guest shows is adding someone else to the team that the audience likes and that I like, you know, having around and, and speaking with. And, you know, hopefully she will continue to stick around after things start to get, you know, more back to normal to her, but we'll see where that goes in the future. I, I do... I'm pretty confident <laughs> she's enjoyed her time with us and that if she can, she will stick around. So that's been kind of the the big takeaway or the the big get through the pandemic on top of all these guests. And, and even beyond that, you know, there are lots of people who've come on multiple times. Arden Zwelling has been on a few times, you know, um, James Duthie has been on a few times and they've been great guys, right? And um, people that you're happy to call a friend of the show. But out of this, I can also say, you know, there are people that I wouldn't just limit as friends of the show. There are people I've come across that I now consider friends, right? That I'm able to text with um, here and there. And like Steve Lloyd, I'm in pretty regular communication with. Chris Hoffley is an awesome guy, right? Who I've enjoyed having on the show, but also just enjoyed shooting the shit with uh, off the uh, off the show as well. Michaela now, obviously, right? And there's others too that haven't just become friends of the show, but have become you know, actual friends of mine, which again is something that if you had said that this show would create back in 2015, you'd be pretty happy about it, right? You have no idea where things are going to go and how long the road's going to be, but to, you know, have actually made some pretty legit friends from hosting the podcast. I think that's pretty cool. And I, I consider myself lucky uh, to have had that happen. So uh, it's been a hell of a six years. The last one especially has been <laughs> different, eventful, we'll call it. Um, 
you know, optimistic that uh, the vaccines are on the way, vaccinations are on the rise, cases will be on the fall, and uh, we can get back to normal, we can get some of these people back in studio and, and start doing it the way we, we always designed for it to be done. Um, and we can all start to get back to normal and, and maybe you people can be listening um, in your cars on the way to work instead of in your living rooms while you're working from home. I can remember, maybe I brought it up, but this is several months ago now. Someone had sent me a text or a, a message on Twitter that they had their phone set to download Tall Can Audio overnight every Sunday night because we always have the Monday morning podcast, right? So that was their routine was to listen on the way to work on Monday. Suddenly they started working from home. So when they got up in the morning and they were making coffee and stumbling around getting ready to start work, they threw the podcast on and the guy said, uh, after a couple of weeks of this, his wife came out of their bedroom and looked at him and goes, oh, not these idiots again. <laughs> so I don't know. I think that's, I think that's about as good a compliment as we could get. We're not for everybody, but uh, those of you who have been here for a couple of weeks, couple of months, couple of years, we appreciate you and we appreciate you listening to us through uh, other people's um, protests, maybe, or uh, better taste. Uh, we love you. We're glad you're here. It's been six awesome years. We've built a nice little community here, a nice little audience here that uh, continues to grow. Uh, want to thank you all for being a part of that. This is uh, this has been awesome, and uh, I don't know. I just thought this would be kind of fun to take a walk down memory lane for those of you who are new around here as to how this show started and and grew and uh, what it used to look like and and how it kind of grew into what it is now. And uh, I still think there's more room to grow. I still think there's more guests to be had. There's certainly more pints to be had as we go. And uh, I hope you will stick around and be a part of that with us. I'll tell you the title of the very first episode of Audio Whiplash, right? That very first one where I said Rob and I sounded like we didn't know each other. The title was That's How I Got to Memphis. And that is an old country song by a guy named Tom T. Hall. And I don't know why I'd had it on my mind so much before the show started. I'd been through some stuff, just like I said, with the kidney stuff and then trying to get set up with the radio stuff. And there'd been some struggles and it'd just been a hell of a road, right? And this song, that's how I got to Memphis, is sort of about this guy who's trying to find a lost love and, um, you know, chasing her around. And I wasn't for particularly feeling any love at the time. But the, the lyric, that's how I got to Memphis, is a stand-in. For that's how I got where I am now. That's why I am where I'm at right now, as he's telling the rest of this story. And for some reason, that had sort of been on my mind for a little while. And so that's how I got to Memphis. You know, that first show was sort of explaining our background and why we were starting the podcast and, you know, how I'd sort of come to that place. And uh, so that's how I got to Memphis. And as we sit here six years later, still in Memphis. And now you've all heard the tale on how we got to this version of Memphis, right? So... Um, I guess, uh, it all comes full circle. Uh, we will wind this one down here. Rob returns on Sunday afternoon virtually, and, uh, we'll put together another podcast on Monday morning. We'll also have a guest announcement for you, uh, for someone coming up later in the week, maybe more than one guest announcement. We'll see. Uh, but that'll be on your Monday morning podcast, uh, when Rob returns. And then, uh, of course, along with a guest or two this week, Michaela will also return on, uh, it'll be on Thursday morning. I think we're, uh, we're making that move pretty permanent, 
but uh, stay tuned to our social media feeds at Talkan Audio. We will, of course, keep you posted when new stuff is coming. I hope you've enjoyed this walk down memory lane. If you're still here, God love you. Like I said, this was going to be a little navel-gazing, a little self-indulgent, right? Um, but it was fun to do and fun to look back on. So hope you guys enjoyed it too. Until next time, my name is Matt Robinson. This has been episode 828 of the Tall Can Audio Podcast, and we will see you next time. If you love somebody enough, you'll follow wherever they go. That's how I got to Memphis. That's how I got to Memphis. If you love somebody enough, you'll go where your heart wants to go. That's how I got to Memphis That's how I got to Memphis I know if you've seen her You tell me cause you are my friend I've got to find her And find out the trouble she's in If you tell me that she's not here I'll follow the trail of her tears That's how I got to Memphis That's how I got to Memphis